God this morning. I don't know about you, but I love being inspired by God's word. I'm a changed and different man when God's word is in my life. When I'm not that deep into God's word, boy, I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good father. I'm not that very good of a friend, you know, and, and, and I'm angry at all my sports teams at the same time. And so I know it's so crucial to our spiritual formation, for our faith, for our emotional health, to be in God's word. And so we're going to try to dive a little deeper into God's word this morning. So to catch everybody up, we have been talking about this idea of becoming. You know, God created us with an intent for us to become like him. So just like many parents, they want their kids to be like them. So as God created mankind, he had in mind, I want them to be shaped into my image. And so that was the very first and biggest thing that we've learned, that God created us to be like him. Not to be him, but to be like him in our character, in our nature, in our, in our, in our convictions, and in our behavior. And so the two scriptures that have really guided us throughout this time, that really highlight this principle, Romans 8.28, I mean 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so we've seen this, this, this idea, and we have this diagram to help us, is that God created us in his image, and that Jesus is the image of God. And then by the power of Christ and through the Holy Spirit, we are now being formed into the image of Christ, which means what? That we are becoming informed back into the image of God, back into the image of our creator. And so we've looked at for the last several weeks, okay, so what does this look like in our lives? And how does this process take place? And so we've looked at how uh, we are becoming holy, that Jesus is holy, so therefore we are becoming holy. We talked about also how Jesus is an overcomer, and so we are becoming overcomers. And then last week, uh, Kyle led us through how God is love, and so we are becoming loving. And so today we're going to be talking about becoming servants, becoming servants. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Father in heaven, you have been praised and worshiped already this morning. It's been so encouraging to lift your name up. God, to reflect on how you are a good father, how God, you are awesome. And you are, your wisdom and power is above, and God, that we get a chance to participate in that. And God, we're so grateful that you reign over your creation. And God, we are so grateful that we have this opportunity to worship you. And God, I pray right now, Father, I know you have ministered to me with the message for the last couple of months. And God, I pray that you communicate that message clearly, articulated, so that every soul may hear the message you want them to hear. And God, that we will come away inspired about what you are doing and having us become more like you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You know, I was, I, I, I forgot to say, can we go ahead and thank our AV team? Can we go ahead and thank our AV team? 
We're so grateful they get here early, they provide these things, and this is an integral part of our worship. And so we are very grateful for all of you in the AV team. Thank you so much. All right, first off, let's go ahead and let's get into it. Jesus is a servant. Not just only was Jesus a servant when he lived here on earth, but Jesus remains. You know, Jesus is alive and Jesus still is a servant. And we're going to look at a verse here that many of us are very familiar with. And we're looking here at Matthew 20. It says, Jesus let's set up the context here. Some of his guys, James and John, they, these guys are brothers. And basically they went and said, hey, can we can we sit at your right hand side? Basically, they wanted the seats of glory. They wanted the, the seats of honor. And so people are getting upset about this. And Jesus says something really profound. He says he called them, called them together and said, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus articulates that his mission was not for everybody to come and serve him, for him to take the high seat and just live the nice plush life. But his mission was to come and to serve and to give of himself. And he's calling his followers to imitate this. And so we see that this mission, that his lifestyle, his sacrifice was a reflection of his character. It was a reflection and embodiment of who he is and who he was. And that characteristic is service. You know, many of us, when we hear the idea of service, we're like, I don't want to be a servant. I want you to serve me. And this is why God is creating us to be like him. It's because in a world in which we want to be served, what does that lead to? It leads to much chaos that we have now, doesn't it? When I keep thinking about how I want, how you can give, how can I manipulate the situation instead of what can I give, what can I offer, that creates chaos. It creates friction in a relationship, whether it's at work or whether it's a romantic relationship or any type of friendship. When I'm only self-seeking and the other person self-seeking, this doesn't work out too well, does it? But just imagine if there's a servant attitude. Imagine if there's a servant mindset. Hey, how can I serve you? Might change the dynamics a little bit, won't it? And so we see a little bit of the fruit that can come out from having this mindset. But we're going to dive into it some more. And I want us to really look in this passage over in Philippians chapter 2. Church, are you still with me? Philippians chapter 2, this is a, a classic verse that many of us are, are, are sure are very familiar with. And if you look online and read commentaries, there's so much. It's overwhelming how much there's been written about this text. And so the text that we're about to read, this is this man named Paul. He becomes a follower of Jesus and he writes a letter to the church that met in the city of Philippi. And he's talking about their attitudes and how they need to be unified. But then he goes and he starts talking about Jesus and it's so profound. And in fact, many scholars think that this passage we're about to read, at least a portion of it, was one of the first early Christian hymns. And so we're not sure. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe Paul created it, or maybe it was just the, the church hymn that was taking place in the first century. But we're going to see something so cool, and it's really inspired me over the last couple months. And so it says here, 
And talking about his humility and, and how we need to have the same mindset, it says, Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. We'll stop right there. This passage is so rich, so much there, but again, we're going to focus in on one particular aspect here of how God is helping us become servants and how Jesus is the ultimate example. But we see something here, this idea of the incarnation. And the incarnation means God in human flesh. And that's who Jesus is. That Jesus was God in the flesh. And not only did Jesus come from above, that he's divine, but he became a man. Not only did he become a man, but he became a servant. And then he became one who would die a criminal's death. So that you and I would not have to suffer punishment for our own sins. And so we see this idea of incarnation. And again, the, the, the humility of Jesus to go from above. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know too many CEOs that are trying to be the, the local custodian. And so when you look at Christ and you say he was, he's God, but yet he came and then he came as a servant and then he sacrificed himself. This is the God that we've been worshiping this morning. That's an incredible God, isn't it? Because we can have this, this, this ill-advised uh, 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 or, or, or incorrect view of God as this powerful, mean God who just wants us to obey. But yet when we see his humility, his sacrifice, his love, and the extent of his love, that's a radical view of God, isn't it? This is a God who's worthy of our worship. And as we look at Christ here, there's something so powerful. And so we're going to get into a couple Greek words here right now. And so I want us to focus on this part here. It says, who being in very nature. Now, this word being is the, the Greek word here, uh, huparko. Huparko. Like that. You didn't know I spoke a little Greek, did you? Well, that's the Greek I have for you, okay? And so this word has this connotation of be, although and because. And say, okay, Marcel, what, what are we talking about here? So this is important, this connotation of although and because. You see, as we look at this passage, we can look at this passage, and it's 100% correct, but we can say, wow, Jesus is divine, and look at him, he made that sacrifice. And those of us who, you know, are familiar with the term, Jesus went and took one for the team. Man, these people are a mess. There's no way for them to really be deemed. So you know what? I got it. I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to sacrifice. And that's 100% true. And that's saying, although he was God, he sacrificed. But again, it has this connotation of because as well. So if you look at it, although he's divine and he made that sacrifice so that we can have salvation, that's powerful. But also because he is God. He sacrificed and became a servant. Because he is divine, 
He did this not only as let me take one for the team, but he did this because that's who he is. Selfless, sacrificial, a servant. You know, there's a radical difference there between, hey, let me just take one for the team and then, hey, this is who I am. You know, when I became a parent, I realized, wow, I have to sacrifice even more. You laughing, girl, because you, you know what I'm talking about. And one of the things I used to appreciate is, you know, I, man, I, 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 I'm a whole, and if you know me and my family, we want to make sure that we're looking proper. And so haircuts are a b- real big deal in my family. So if you see one of us or we see one of our brothers and your hair isn't right, we like, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? Hey, man, what, what's up with your hair? Man, when you getting a haircut? My older brother brings clippers to my house just in case because he cuts hair. He's like, man, I might have to cut Marcel's hair. You know what I'm saying? Now, before I was like, man, I was always having my cut every two weeks. I was looking fly. I was like Dallas. You know what I mean? I was looking sharp. But then I had kids. I was like, boy, I don't know if I can afford that. Then I had another kid. I'm like, boy. Then I had another kid. I said, man, I can't afford nothing. So I had to get a haircut recently. I said, man, I'm looking like, man, I'm looking crazy over here. Every time I have to apologize to my barber, I'm like, I know, man, I know. I'm sorry, forgive me. But I made this sacrifice. But here's the thing. Yeah, I'm taking one for the team, but that's not my nature. You see, Christ didn't come only to take one for the team. He came and became a servant because that's who he is. That's his personality. That's his character. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that we serve. And so, yes, it's 100 percent true he sacrificed, but he also sacrificed because that's who he is. That's who God is. It wasn't a one time choice. And so it makes sense that earlier scripture when he says, hey, you know what? You need to serve because you didn't. I'm not here to be served, but to serve. When he calls them to that, he's calling them to what? Not just follow an example, but to follow who he is. But what? To become like him. And so again, we're seeing, wow, Jesus, that's a, that's a different view of Jesus than maybe we've had for years. And so we look here even some more. This is really cool. In Philippians 2.8 here, and it says he made himself nothing. There's two Greek words here, but one of the Greek words for uh, made and nothing is this uh, word uh, right here. I can't say that Greek word, but it comes from the, 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 the noun verb kenosis. And so this word here means literally to empty yourselves. So in some translations of this, this verse, it says that Jesus emptied himself. So he literally emptied himself. And so he poured himself out. And so what does that mean? That if you want to be like God, that means you need to pour yourself out. You need to empty yourself to take a humble position to serve and to meet needs in others' lives. Becoming like God means becoming humble, a sacrificial servant. I don't know about you, but that's not me naturally. My mom... Uh, is that my mom in the back there? I think that's you. All right, all right. My mom has never told me, hey, you know, Marcel, you know, when you were younger, you were such a servant. Boy, you used to be so selfless. You would ask. I mean, when you were asked to do your chores, you did it right away. In fact, you volunteered to do more chores. My mom has never said anything remotely like that. And you know what the sad thing is? Karina probably wouldn't say a lot of similar things either. And I, you know, I, to my shame, even now, I'm like, wow, God has transformed me. 
but I'm still not the servant in my character the way I need to be. Karina's had many times where she's come in with stuff and she's holding bags and she's like Marcel. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you don't see? I'm like, oh, do you need some help? She's like, yeah. So then I got to apologize. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Help me out with the chili cook-off, okay? But that's just not who I am naturally. But by the grace of God, he's forming me to become a servant. Not just on random times of choice, but become my nature. To become my character. For that to be my personality. Church, are you with me here? says we're becoming like God. He's transforming us into his likeness, and his likeness means servitude. It means service. And so how does God form us into these servants? Well, one of the things that God does is he places us in community. God, in order for him to transform us by the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ and in Christ, he places us in community. First community we can think of is our church community and the opportunities that we have to serve one another. As we're here, we're all having this opportunity to serve and meet needs for each other. And so that's the church community. But he also places us in our local community where we live. God places us in these communities, not just so that we can live good and have a plush lifestyle, but so that we can become servants to the community. So that we can be like God and meet needs around us. Meet needs in the congregation, but also meet needs for the poor and the needy in our communities. You see, again, this idea of the incarnation. God from above came close. He didn't stay far. He came close to us. So what does that mean for you and me as he puts us into community? It means we are to live incarnationally. We are to live like God. We are to be people individually and collectively who go in to the communities. We don't stay far. We don't stay distant. We don't stay in our little silos. No, we go into the community to be able to reach, to be able to serve, and be able to lift up God's name and reflect God's glory. And so as individuals, we live incarnationally. We go into the situation. We provide God to the situation and in our surroundings. And we serve those who are poor and needy around us. And we do this as a church, as a collective. The church isn't a building that we come to. The church is supposed to be called into our communities and to be the light of the world. Again, Jesus came into the world. The church is supposed to go into our neighborhoods, our complexes, our streets, our blocks, our apartment buildings. God shows humility and partnership with us. And we are called to do, same, to do the same, to be humble and partner with the community so that God's will may be realized. We're not talking about having programs. We're talking about how we live. 
You know, as we talked about earlier, and we showed the sign, the Fab Five, the, the fourth value is service. And so we as a church have valued service. That's why it's one of our core values. We didn't just make it up and say, hey, let's just pick one. No, it's because we already valued it. And so we said, hey, this is going to be one of our core values, that we serve each other and we serve in our communities. I'm so grateful. You know, Sosa and the campus ministry, they're, they're going ahead and they're deciding, you know what? We want to serve our Cal State Fullerton students. And so now as a church, we're going to embark upon having a food drive once a month to help meet the needs. We're not going, hey, come on over to Garden Grove. We're saying, we're going to go to you. And maybe you'll be open to the scriptures and God, maybe you won't, but we're still going to serve. And so I'm so grateful we've been a part of a fellowship that for over a decade has decided, you know what, there's orphans in Mexico and Tecate specifically. We're going to go to them and try to provide some hope and encouragement. I'm grateful as a church that we've, we've uh, you know, through Martin Chires and through Hope that we decided, you know what, there, there, there's a need across the border in TJ and been a part of the, the, the building up of the Center for Hope there to provide free dental care for that local community. And so hallelujah, the church is going in to the communities. And we need to make sure that this isn't just something that we give, but that we do locally as well. That it's in our hearts, it's in our lives, it's our mindset, it's who we are. You know, even as a church here, again, we have what we call family groups. We decided, you know what, for outside of the campus ministry, we're going to have all our family groups be local. We're going to be in our local cities. Why? Because we want to reach our local neighbors and we want to serve our neighbors. We want to be there. We don't want to just be driving all across town so that it meets our needs. No, God has called us to live incarnationally, to go out and to serve. But I will say this, it's sad, and I don't think it's a large percentage, but there is a percentage, some of us, who view the church and view, our, 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 their, uh, view your discipleship as a, what's in it for me? How does this group serve me? How is the church going to give to me. Where are you going, when and where and how are you going to give to me? I need to make sure that my needs are met. But Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Right. He's the example. Who, he is who we are being transformed into. So the call for you and me is to live incarnationally and to think about others and to serve. So this is why, again, God is putting us in a community because it will develop us becoming servants. Living incarnationally, collective as a church and as an individual. And I must say this, you know, I was so convicted by God a couple of months ago. When we went to Orlando, this is, it was the tipping point. And so for years, I had been one who was, had a strong conviction about serving and meeting the poor in, in wherever I was. And so for years, when I lived in L.A., we used to go to, uh, to uh, uh, Skid Row. And so I would take a, our teen ministry, and I'd go once a month. And then there was times I would just go by myself, where I'd bring my wife with me, or maybe my little brother who was uh, visiting with me that weekend. And we'd go to Skid Row. In fact, my mom came with us one time. And I was like, I don't need a program. Nobody needs to tell me this is who I need to be. 
And so then I went, I started Saturday Academy, which was a, 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 a after, not after school, what is it, a mentoring program, sorry. And then we started Saturday Academy, a mentoring program in LA. And then we came to Orange County, we were able to start it here. And I'm like, yes, this is who I am, this is what I do. But then 2020 hit. And these opportunities to serve became very minimal, at best. And then I started having more church responsibilities. And so my heart for the poor and needy was not the same. It became the seventh or eighth thing on my to-do list, and I never got to even four or five. And then I realized, wow, you know what, if this is me, and I do have a certain amount of influence upon a congregation, what does that mean about me and where I'm leading the congregation? If it's seventh or eighth on my list, it's not going to be number one or two on your list. And so God convicted me and said, Marcel, you need to become a servant in your community again. And I've repented. I'm excited. We're praying. We're trying to get the Saturday Academy coming up. We have some things planned for 2023 as a church so that we can't just have it as a value on a logo, but so that we continually live it here locally. And so I'm excited about my repentance. I'm excited about the food drives, more Tecate trips, and more. Because again, God is forming us to be servants in this community and the communities that we live in. That we live incarnationally as individuals and as a church. That the neighborhoods, our complexes, see God. You know, God uses people who live incarnationally to have an impression. You know you've seen this, right? Or maybe you guys have done this. Uh, you know, I think Kyle did this with Jasmine. He got some wet cement one time and put K loves J, you know what I'm saying? And it's there by their house, right? And so some of us have seen that or maybe we've done that, you know, or maybe before you were Christian, you got some tagging. Hey, all is forgiven in Christ, amen, all right? But your mark is probably still up on that 7-Eleven. Okay, all right, so God, when we live incarnationally, we leave an imprint. We leave an imprint that is there to stay. But we also can leave this type of impression. You know about this, right? When you have the, the phone there, you put the imprint in it. What happens about two seconds after you've released? It's gone. It's like it was never there. We had to ask ourselves, let's just say we didn't have the OC Church of Christ anymore. Let's say for some reason we decided to leave. We decided God is calling us somewhere else. Would we be missed and would it be felt? That was a sobering question. I said, no, 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 that, that, that's not who Jesus was. Obviously, he's made an impression. And so if we are called and we are being transformed into his likeness and his image, then as we live in that, then we too will make an impression that won't be like foam, but that will stay forever in the concrete of our communities. And so again, this applies to us collectively and it applies to us individually. And so I pray that as we live in Christ, that as he is transforming us into his likeness, that we will be those who are felt and missed if we ever had to leave. That the OC church will be felt and missed if for some reason we left. If your family group decided, or the people at your college, if you guys decided, you know what, for some reason, and we're not telling you to do this, but for some reason you left that city or that school, it would be missed and felt. And when you move, and if you decide to move from your current residence, when you move, 
your presence will be missed and felt. Say, man, there's something missing now that they're gone. We felt that there was an impression that they made upon our lives. And this is the power and the beauty and the fruit when we live incarnationally. And it produces a sacrificial service that becomes our character. And so let's get real practical. Brothers and sisters, are you still with me? Let's get real practical here. Action steps. If you're visiting here with us today, I want to encourage you to study the Bible. You say, well, why study the Bible? Because then you can find out more of what I'm talking about when we're saying living incarnationally, how Jesus is and how he's forming us back into his image. I want to encourage you to do that. For those of us who have been in the congregation, here's, here's my, my, my action step for you. Come up with an idea for your group to serve your local community. Come up with an idea. Maybe they use it or maybe it sparks a better idea. But come up with an idea so that we can live incarnationally in our cities. And then last but not least, and everyone can do this, to make sure you find a role to serve in the church. Again, if you had to move, if you're not there that Sunday, or if you're not there that Wednesday or whatever, we miss you and your presence was felt. And so I encourage us to take these action steps here this week. And so as we close out, becoming like God means becoming servants because Jesus is a servant. God puts us in communities to help us to become servants. And so we are called to live incarnationally by pouring ourselves out to serve others. Let's close out of Philippians 2, verse 6. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in his appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. May we become servants. Amen.